Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Good stuff. We are continuing our series called Unseen. I missed you guys last week. I wasn't here, but hopefully you heard my mom. She shared about angels. The previous week, I got to kick this off. We talked about spiritual warfare, the fact that there is, yes, an unseen world all around us. Yes, it matters. No, you can't bury your head in the sand. You need to get involved, right? And so if you missed either one of those, I encourage you to uh, go back and listen to those. All of our messages uh, can be found on CD in the foyer, on our app, on our website, and on our podcast. So we want to make sure that you are caught up with all that good stuff. This morning, we're talking about the really, really popular, awesome topic of the devil and demons. Hey, it's, it's, it's interesting. This is one of the things uh, that we have to talk about. Again, one of the things that I found in church circles is that people are either overly obsessed with the devil or they completely ignore the fact that he exists. Uh, those of you that may have grown up Pentecostal, sometimes like, like some of the songs, we were actually singing about the devil. He's under my feet. Yeah. It's like, and I remember even as a kid thinking, this is our time to worship God and we're singing about his enemy. It was just a little odd to me, you know? Um, and for some people, the devil made their washing machine stop working, right? Uh, and and it's, everything's a demon, everything's the devil. But, but for others, it's like he doesn't exist at all. And I want to show you guys a scripture, Matthew 25. I don't think we had the PowerPoint up, okay? Uh, so it, this is a great opportunity for you to open up the app on your phone right now and go to Sunday at VFC, Sunday at VFC, and you'll see all of the notes, all of the scriptures and all of my notes are in there. But I want to show you Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Jesus is talking about the judgment at the end. It says, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Did you guys know that hell was not created for people? They what? It was created for the devil and his demons. Now, if you follow the devil and his demons, then that's where you're going to end up. If you follow Jesus, where's Jesus right now? He's in heaven. So if you follow Jesus, when you die, where are you going to go? Where he is. You follow your master. It's, it's easy. It's not that hard. And, and so, but I want you to understand that even Jesus himself is teaching about the reality of the devil and demons. Guys, this morning is going to be drinking from the fire hose. I want you to get ready. I'm going to reference, I've got over between two and three dozen scriptures I'm going to reference this morning. I will not read all of them. That's why I really want you to look at the notes. I want you to go back and study on your own. Who is the devil? Who is the devil? The devil was originally an angel, according to Ezekiel chapter 28, 12 through 15. The devil, this means, this is good news for you. This means that the devil is not equal to God. The devil is equal to an archangel, Michael, Gabriel, one of those angels that we talked about last week. 
This means that the devil cannot read your mind. He can't be in multiple places at the same time. And again, he is not equal to God. We have this idea that like God and the devil are, are duking it out and they're fighting. It's this like really tough war. It's not a tough war. We're going to see in just a little bit just how soundly the enemy was beaten. Uh, let me show you some stuff. I think, yeah, we're good here. So um, let me talk about some of the names. You may have heard the name Lucifer, right? Lucifer is possibly, we're not 100% sure. Scholars think it's probably his name as an angel because it's based off of the scripture in Isaiah 14, 13. But that means light bearer. And it may speak to what he kind of did before he fell as an angel. Um, that, but Lucifer is the original angelic name before he fell. Another name that we see is Satan. Satan is a Hebrew word. So you see that in the Old Testament and it carries over into the New as well. It simply means the adversary. Satan is not a proper name, it's a title. Uh, so we talk about Satan, we talk about the adversary, all right? Uh, and then Again, we see the word we've been using here is devil. That's Greek, and it means the accuser, the one who slanders, the one who accuses, okay? So these are the different names that you, and then often when you see names like Beelzebub or Baal or things like that, it's a way of talking about uh, the devil as well. I want to let you know four things about the devil. Here's the first one. The world is under his influence, the world is under his influence. I'm about to mess with some of your theology this morning. Uh, I kind of apologize, but not really. Because this is a pet peeve of mine. We have lazy theology at large in the church. This idea that whatever happens must be God's will. And we'll say things like, well, God's in control. God's in charge. He alone is God. But as we'll see in scripture... There are areas of your life and this world where, where actually the enemy is in control and you are in control as to whether or not you let the enemy retain control. God's in charge. He's always in charge. But to say that God is always in control of every little thing that happens is not biblical. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. It says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world around us is under the control of the evil one. Scripture, I didn't, I didn't write that. John did, the closest disciple to Jesus. The whole world is under the control of who? The evil one. Now that makes a lot of sense. The world being under control of the devil explains why there's so much bad stuff. People, when they think everything that happens in the world is under control of God, they're like, well, why would God let that happen? It was the devil. It wasn't God. The whole world, some of y'all aren't convinced. Let's look at the next one. John chapter 12, verse 13. Satan is called the prince of the world or the ruler. The word prince means ruler, ruler of the world. That's what he's called. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse two, the apostle Paul refers to Satan as the prince of the power of the air. Or you could say it this way, the ruler, prince of the atmosphere. Guys, you need to understand, our, we were born behind enemy lines. You were born into a world where we have an adversary, an accuser, a fallen angel, and a horde of demons that are after you. And I know that's not fun to think about. We just want to, oh, God loves me so much. And it's true, he does. But you also do have a very real enemy. 
Here's the next thing you need to know about the devil is that his weapons are deception, accusation, and temptation. These are his main weapons. Everything he does, you're going to see under these categories. Deception, accusation, and temptation. 2 Corinthians 11.4 says, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He deceives you. He makes you think he's good. And then when you bite, then he kicks your tail. But, but he, he, Satan doesn't knock on your door and show him and say, Hey, I'm Satan. I want to ruin your life. Can I come in? Because you'd be like, uh, no, Satan, not today, <laughs> right? But, but when he shows up, it looks like everything you ever dreamed of. Now you're open to it, right? He is a deceiver. Revelation 12, 10, he is an accuser. He's called the accuser of the brethren. Whenever we accuse each other, we're taking part in the ministry of Satan, he, he accuses us before God. Look at them. Look at those sorry humans you made. They'll never do what's right. And then Jesus says, hey, look at this. It's my blood. They're covered. But he is the accuser of the brethren. This is one of his weapons. Also temptation, 1 Thessalonians 3, 5. Paul's writing to the Thessalonians saying, I was afraid that the tempter, referring to the devil, had gotten the best of you, and that our work had been useless. He tempts you to sin. He tempts you to do the wrong thing. Now, a lot of people, i, I, I got to balance this out. Some people think the devil is the, everything that's tempting them, and in reality, it's just their flesh. As a matter of fact, most Christians deal with their flesh more than they deal with demons. Just being honest. And we blame it on the devil because we aren't disciplined. But one of the things that the enemy does, he is a tempter. You remember Jesus in the desert? Jesus is fasting for 40 days. He's really hungry, so what does Satan tempt him with? Food, right? Among other things. And so, so it's really important that we understand that these are the weapons of our enemy. John 8, 44, Jesus is getting onto the Pharisees, and he says, he's talking about the devil. He says, you are of your father, the devil. He says, when he, the devil, lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is our adversary. This is our opponent. This is our accuser. Someone who constantly lies, who deceives, who accuses, and who tempts us. But there's good news. Third thing I want you to know about the devil, he has already been defeated. He's already been defeated. We are not looking, hear me, we're not looking to a future day when the devil will be defeated. He's already defeated. We're looking to a future day when his sentence will be carried out. But he is already defeated. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 says, In this way, it talks about when, when the Father sent the Son, Jesus, to the cross. In this way, he, God, disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Some translations say he made a public display of them or a spectacle of them. Now, Paul is referencing something that we don't know about, but I want to teach you about it real quick. You have a grid for it, but it's just not in the way you're used to it. So when the Romans would conquer a city, conquer a region, conquer another king, they would have a victory parade. You can read about their victory processionals. You can just Google it and read about it. And one of the things, it was, it was our modern day parades are based off of this. You pick a starting point. And then you parade through the town, right? You, you, and everyone's, you doing the pageant wave? Hi, we're victorious. Yes, thank you, right? 
And one of the things they would often do is they would keep the king or queen or prince or princess or whoever from the, from the, the group that was conquered, they would keep them alive and they would parade them at the very end and they would walk in chains behind the procession and all the people would boo and throw stuff at them and, and it was part of their parade, their victory parade. That's what he's referencing. That's what Jesus, that's what the Father through Jesus did to Satan and his demons. And he, he, he so soundly and completely beat them that they were, that they were uh, trotted out in front of all of the world and said, look at these losers. They lost and we won. What if you believed that? What if you acted like that was true? Luke 10, 18, the disciples come back from, from ministry and they're rejoicing over their authority over demons and the devil. And Jesus goes like, he's kind of like, of course. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. See, when Lucifer got prideful and he, was, and he tried to fight the enemy, do you know how long that battle was? About as long as it takes for lightning to strike. You ever seen lightning strike? That's it. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Like lightning. It wasn't, it wasn't a massive battle. We need to understand that our enemy has a lot of bark and only some bite. Satan can only do to you what you give him permission to do to you. Did you hear that? He can only do to you what you give him permission to do to you. Scripture says he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So what do we do? Well, here's the fourth thing to know about the devil. Resist him and he will leave. What's my job? Do I need to fight him? Do I need, what do I need to do? No, you resist him. You resist him. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God which is the first step of resisting the devil. Can't resist the devil. If you don't want the devil to be your king, you need another king and it needs to be Jesus. So, so you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now the word flee here in Greek, you can look this up. It doesn't mean turn and walk. It means to run in stark terror. When a Christian knows who they are in Christ, knows who Satan is, and makes their stand, puts on their armor, like we talked about the first week, and says no to the enemy, he goes, oh no, ah, he flees. So many of us are trying to do more than that. We're trying to, I come against thee, and I, look, stand your ground, resist him, and he will leave. He will leave. Ephesians 4.27 says, give no opportunity to the devil. He wants wants to have an opportunity in your life, but it's up to God? No, it's up to you as to whether or not you give an opportunity to the devil. At one point, Peter and Jesus are talking. This is before the crucifixion. uh, G- Jesus says, hey, Peter, uh, Satan has asked that he may sift you as wheat. Do you remember reading this before? Satan has asked that he may sift you as wheat. Now, what I think Jesus should have said is, but I won't let him do it. But that's not what Jesus said. He goes, but I prayed for you that you will stand strong, that your faith will be strong, 
See, the way we battle the enemy is by resisting. That's our job, is to resist. So that's the devil, but what about demons? What are demons? What's the difference between the devil, Satan, Lucifer, and a demon? Well, demons are often called unclean or evil spirits in Scripture. They are created supernatural beings. They're not deceased humans. Guys, angels and demons are not dead people. Just, it drives me crazy. They used to be angels, but they willfully followed Lucifer during his rebellion. Revelation 12, 3 through 4, and verse 9 explain this. Now, Revelation uses symbolic, it's a symbolic book. It uses symbolic imagery. And oftentimes, we are left like trying to figure out what does this symbol mean, but sometimes the symbol is, is defined within the text. That's what happens here. Check it out. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. Okay, now that's not literal. He saw the dragon with the horns and the crowns and it was red, but what he was looking at was not actually a dragon. The dragon was representing something else. You're about to read what it represents. Verse four, his tail, the dragon's tail, swept away one third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to earth. And then skip down to verse nine and it defines all this. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, is the one deceiving the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Oh, there we go. Isn't that nice? Scripture actually told us what the symbols meant this time. I wish it would have done it every time. The church would be a lot less confused with all their charts and their maps of the end times. He says, look, this red dragon, don't need to worry, there's not going to be a red dragon with the crowns and horns, okay, ten heads. No, this is Satan. And there's numbers and there's things represent things about him, but it's Satan and his tail swooped the stars. That was the angels. That means that the angels that followed Lucifer in his rebellion are now demons. Now, there's some good news here. It says that he took a third of the angels with him. That means there's two thirds of the angels left for you. That means there's twice as many angels as there are demons. That's good news. That's good news. There's also a demonic hierarchy kind of based on their assignment and their power. We can't get into this. But Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, this war takes place in the heavenly places. It's in another realm. It's in an unseen realm. And there are little baby demons that want to mess with you. There are big bad demons that have assignments over geographies. There are demons that want to get you to agree with their behavioral bent, their slant, so that they can affect you. Do you know that about 25% of Jesus' ministry on the earth was casting out demons. Did you know that? If you were to go up and count in scripture everything that Jesus did and and were to break it out in like a pie graph of healing people, casting out demons, teaching, right? All this different stuff that he did. 25% of it would be casting out demons. Why then is what the church, Jesus' followers, what they do, why is it not 25% casting out demons? I think it's because we're ignoring this. I think it's because especially here in the United States, 
we, we, tend to, we tend to think, well, you know, science has an answer for why that guy's foaming at the mouth. Right? And, and we tend to just think, hey, that's, you know, that's not, that's not really, you know, I mean, come on. It's the, it's the 21st century, Jamie. Demons? Really? Really. I've seen them. You've seen them, and you're like, okay, but you ignored them. But people need to be set free. That's what Jesus came to do. He said, came to set the captive free. What do demons do? Well, they cause sickness, disability, and mental illness. Now, let me just say this really quickly. Not all sickness, not all disability, and not all mental illness is caused by a demon. Okay? But some of it is. You need to be able to discern the difference. Who knows the difference? God. Who do you need to rely on? God. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you discern what's natural and what's supernatural. In Mark 9, 17 through 24, we find a boy with seizures and epilepsy. In order to get cured, he doesn't take a pill. He gets the demon cast out. In Luke chapter 13, 11 through 13, a woman who's been crippled by an evil spirit. gets So she had a physical problem. She was bent over. She could not stand up straight. And it was not because of a natural issue. It was because of a demonic entity. Jesus casts it out and she stands up. Now Jesus heals a man who has a withered hand. Stretches that no demons involved. That was not demonic. The woman's thing was demonic, but the man's with the hand was not. Again, you need to hear the Holy Spirit, right? Luke 8, 27 through 35, we have the man, the demoniac, uh, who has the, the group of demons named Legion. He was out of his mind. He was completely insane, cutting himself, walking around naked among the graves, But at the end, after Jesus cast those demons out, it says he was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. In in that situation, the mental illness going on was caused by a demon. Not all mental illness is caused by a demon. But in this case, it was. So that's one of the things demons do. Here's another thing they do, is they spread false theology. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Holy Spirit clearly says in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Huh. He actually then goes on to state two of them. He says, forbidding people to marry and forbidding people to eat certain foods. Are specifically, those who are, if you ever go to a church or hear a teacher that forbids someone to marry, especially leaders of the church, you can't get married. That doesn't work out too well. It's a doctrine of demons. Or says, you know, you can't eat this food because we have to be ceremonially clean. It's a doctrine of demons. It's in scripture specifically as a doctrine of demons. Thank the Lord that I can eat. Okay. Um, Number three, they try to convince us to sin. James 3.15. Again, this is one of the things the devil does. He's a tempter. So, of course, his demons will. says, jealousy and selfishness. Those are sins, by the way. Are not God's kind of wisdom, such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. The demons use thoughts to try to influence you to do wrong things. And there is a demonic type of wisdom that's against the ways of God. Here's another thing that they do. They represent false gods. 1 Corinthians 10, 20 He's talking about meat sacrifice to, to idols. He says, I'm saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God, and I don't want you to participate with demons. 
In other words, this false God, this false religion has named is not actually just an idea, it's actually a demon. You guys know that in the Hindu religion, there are over a million gods. You know that most of those gods are probably actually demons that they're, that they're involved with. And whenever ministry is done in South, in South Asia and in that area where there's Hinduism, you have to cast the demons out of the people. It, that's one of the reasons, well, why don't we see it here in America? Because thank God we're not Hindu. But if there was a lot of Hinduism, we'd, be, we'd see a whole lot more demons. Number five, the fifth thing they do. I'm, I'm rushing, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get through this. A lot of information. They assist people in witchcraft and the occult. This is a funny story. Acts 16, 16. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we as Luke, who's writing this, and Paul, who he's traveling with, we're going down to the place of prayer. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. So this girl has an actual de- demonic spirit, an unclean spirit, that's, that's helping her tell fortunes and they're making a pile of money from it because she's right. False prophecy is not just about accuracy. It's about the spirit with which you prophesy. That's another sermon. So Paul, so every day, you can read about this. This is hilarious. So every day she goes, these men are servants of the most high God who are here to teach about Jesus. It's the spirit speaking through her. Every single day, she's, these men are for the, and Paul's like, oh, are you kidding me? And he commands the demon, come out of her. And he comes out of her because they have to obey. And now she can't tell the future, the future anymore. And now her masters are mad because their hopes of making money are gone. And so they cause a riot. It's a, it's a really funny story. You should read it, Acts 16. But, but we learned through that that there was a demonic spirit that was helping people with the occult and witchcraft. Last thing demons do is that they try to stop the advance of the kingdom of God. The book of Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is praying about a vision that he's had. He doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't hear from God. He's like, what in the world? And then look what happens, verse 13. But for 21 days, the spirit, so an angel finally shows up, huffing and puffing. Sorry, Daniel. I just now got here. I'm so sorry. I'm late. For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, she's a geographical demon assigned to that area, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. They're still fighting. They're duking it out. Wow. Some of y'all worried about God not answering your prayer. You need to do some spiritual warfare. Instead of, God, where are you? Where are you? (laughs) Right? You need to fight your battles. All right, real quick. This is how I want to end. I want to let you know three things about demons. First of all, unbelievers can be possessed by demons. Uh, Possession is to be inhabited by a demon. In the Greek, it's actually demonized. It's when, how does someone become possessed? When a person continually agrees with the objective and purpose of the unclean spirit, it allows, and it allows it to influence them unchallenged, the demon can make its home in the person. That's how, that's how possession happens. Um, we see this again in Mark chapter 5, 2 through 5 is the, the demoniac. 
Um, and we see that he was fully possessed. It was causing him to cut himself. It was causing him to, uh, he, they couldn't restrain him. He would snap through restraints. He had supernatural strength. Um, and that's because of the possession that had happened. But here's the second thing I want you to know, is that believers can be oppressed by demons. Believers can't be possessed by demons because believers are possessed by the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't share his throne with anyone. But you can be oppressed. You can be oppressed or influenced by a demon. Matthew 16, 23, Peter is talking to Satan. He, Peter uh, actually condemns Jesus for saying what was about to happen. And, and what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because Peter was being influenced by Satan. He was being oppressed by a demon. And he was saying the wrong thing, demonic wisdom, instead of spiritual wisdom. And so Jesus called it out. Acts 10, 38, Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil. All who were oppressed. See, many people are oppressed. Few people are possessed. It's pretty, it's, I've dealt with that. We've cast demons out. It's always interesting. <laughs> and I don't have time to tell you stories. But in course 102, uh, we talk about it. In course 104, we talk about it. You'll get to hear all the stories. But, but, most people, very few people are possessed, but many people, most of you have experienced demonic oppression. All of a sudden you have a down day. You start thinking thoughts that don't sound like yours. You get sick for no reason, no real symptoms, no real disease, just, just not feeling. A lot of that, you guys, is demonic oppression. Here's the good news, though, is that believers, how many believers do we have here this morning? Believers can cast out demons in the name of Jesus. Luke 10, 17, when the 72 disciples returned, by the way, it's not just Catholic priests, it's not just pastors, it's not just apostles, it's anyone who's willing to give it a try. Because here we have 72 who go out on a missionary journey, come back, and they joyfully report to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Why can anyone cast out a demon? Because it's not your power, it's his power. If you use his name, it works. Now, there's some best practices, and we actually, again, go over this in our school of ministry. But, but you need to understand, anyone can do this. Mark 16, 17 says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Who? The leaders? The ones who went to seminary? The ones that have holy water? No, those who believe. That's you. Here's one of the signs that will accompany you. You ready? They will cast out demons in my name. Ah, there you go. You need to get to work. <laughs> get to work. It's just, it's, it keeps going. They'll heal the sick, right? There's, there's several different things that you can, you don't have to, you, but, but if you want to, if you want to live in what God has for you, you can do this. You can cast out demons. And if you're interested in that, you should join our school of ministry next time it comes around. And we'll teach you how and you'll have confidence. And my question to you is this this morning is that do, do you have a biblical perspective on the devil and demons? He's not in a red suit with a pitchfork that comes from ancient mythology, not from Christianity. The, the red comes from the verse in Revelation, the dragon and the tail, right? They just took that and they put that in medieval paintings and it made it into Disney cartoons. 
And now we think of the devil and we see, you know, horns and a pitchfork and a tail. That's not what he looks like. Do you have a biblical perspective? Do you understand that he's a defeated foe? Do you understand that you've been given the authority to deal with him? But if you don't deal with him, God's, I mean, God's already done everything you need to be victorious over the devil, but you have to actually do it. Guys, we're in a war. We're in a battle. It's a big deal. And what you don't know can hurt you. And I encourage you, don't be afraid of the supernatural. Don't be afraid of the devil and his demons. Get educated on it and then get to work. Amen? Let's stand for prayer. I encourage you. I, knew I, I know I flew through a lot of this, but I didn't know how to, I cut a lot out still. I encourage you, revisit this message. If you need to listen to it again, if you need to look at the notes, look up the verses. But we, we, look, we're called to be a powerful church. Too many, too many of us have been a part of pitiful churches. We're supposed to be powerful churches. I'm not talking bad about anyone else. I'm just saying this is what we are called to do. And we have to, it's not just enough to have knowledge. Faith without works is dead. We've got to put activity behind our knowledge. Amen? What about you? Close your eyes. Begin to think these thoughts towards the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, do I have a biblical perspective on the devil? Maybe you think the devil's doing everything to you. And you need to calm down and recognize that life happens sometimes. Flesh happens sometimes. In this world, you'll have tribulation. It's not always the devil. Or maybe you just ignore the unseen world and you think, nah, that doesn't really exist. Until you're being oppressed and you call one of us because <laughs> you need help. Where are you? When you think that thought towards the Lord, what do you feel bounces back? I want to lead you in a prayer, if you'll let me, where we commit to being a powerful church. One that knows what Scripture says about our enemy, doesn't overemphasize or underemphasize it, but does exactly what Scripture says. If you will, let me uh, just pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus... Thank you that you defeated the devil and his demons. You had a victory procession over them. And because of that, I can be victorious too. So I give you permission to move in my life. Teach me the truth about the unseen world around me. And help me be someone who helps fight the good fight in a biblical way. I give you permission, Lord, to teach me on this subject and help me get people free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Eric, will you close us? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.